0: Good morning everyone. Happy Father's Day. Again, we're going to be looking at uh, an unlikely convert, uh, the conversion of this despised tax collector named Zacchaeus. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. We'll be using the CSB Bible. There was a well-known song we used to sing when I was younger and when my kids were younger that was often sung in Sunday school. and, And the song began, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Now, some of you are probably old enough where you remember that song and you could sing the rest of it with me. I'm not gonna sing it. I don't want people fleeing for the exits. And there are some of you who are younger who may be thinking, what in the world is he talking about, wee, this wee little man? And while the story of Zacchaeus does make for a really good Sunday school lesson, it's much more than that. The story of Zacchaeus is a beautiful story of the miracle of redemption, where a despised, sinful tax collector comes face to face with the Savior of the world, the one who had come to seek and to save The lost in this case a lost soul named Zacchaeus now as we begin this 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke we find Jesus a little more than a week before his arrest and crucifixion on his way to Jerusalem in fact Luke records Jesus arrival in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday later in this chapter And there was undoubtedly a great buzz among the crowd gathered here to see Jesus as he entered Jericho because he had healed a blind man alongside the road just prior to entering the city. And so we read here in verse 1 that he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. Well, it's at this point then that we're introduced to this man named Zacchaeus. And we find out two very important things about him. In verse two, it says there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. So we find out first of all, that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And not surprisingly, tax collectors were despised in first century Israel. Uh, They were Jews who worked for the Roman government. They collected taxes from their fellow Jewish people while also taxing them extra, that was allowed by the Romans, and then they pocketed the excess themselves. So these chief tax collectors could become quite wealthy at the expense of their fellow countrymen. And that was certainly the case with Zacchaeus. It says here that he was rich. It means that he was abounding in wealth. And Jericho was really a great place to have a tax-collecting business, it was near a major trade route. Uh, there was an ample water supply nearby. The Jordan River wasn't too far away. The city had lush vegetation. Uh, there were gardens of roses, apparently. Uh, there was a famous, There were famous balsam groves, which apparently you could smell from a long ways away. It was actually called the City of Palms. Sounds like a beautiful place, doesn't it? And, and so Jericho is really sort of a resort area with a wealthy tax base, much beneficial for a man named Zacchaeus. But again, because Zacchaeus became wealthy on behalf of the hated Romans and at the expense of his own countrymen, he was despised. He was considered a traitor to his own people. And yet, unknown to anyone there in Jericho, Zacchaeus was being drawn to this man Called Jesus. The last person anyone in that town would have suspected of seeking the one who called himself the Son of God. The last person in town they would have expected would be seeking after Jesus. Maybe you know a Zacchaeus in your life. A person who is somewhat of an outcast. Someone who, because of, of their personality, where their appearance or maybe their position in life is simply a social outcast and is despised by most everyone. Maybe someone in your school or someone in your workplace. Someone you would think is the last person on earth who would be seeking after Jesus or who Jesus would be seeking after. The point is, we don't know what's going on in the hearts of people. We don't know what the Lord is doing in hearts. Maybe the Zacchaeus quote-unquote you know is being sought by Jesus and drawn to him. So that should compel us to extend the love and compassion of Jesus to everyone. We need to pray that the Lord would help us to see people as he sees them. He looks upon the multitudes with compassion And we must do the same thing because we just don't know, do we? We don't know what's going on. I would have been one of the last people on earth that people would have said, uh, he's seeking after Jesus or Jesus is seeking after him. And maybe it's you who Jesus wants to use to tell this individual about himself. So we need to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, don't we? So because this wealthy, despised tax collector was being drawn to Jesus, he had become a seeker of Jesus. We read further in verses 3 and 4. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. Now, did Zacchaeus simply wake up that morning and all of a sudden decide, you know, hey, I think I'm going to go check out this Jesus this morning? Was it just a spur of the moment decision? Well, we've already talked about it, but Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus because he was already being drawn unto Jesus. How do we know that? How do we know that Zacchaeus was being drawn unto Jesus? Well, because of what Jesus himself says in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and verse 44. John, chapter 6, and verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. No one can come to me, Jesus says, unless the Father who sent me draws him. Now this word draws is a very strong word. It means to compel by irresistible force. In other words, the lost sinner is being acted upon by God through the power of the Holy Spirit, drawn to the love and the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as believers in Jesus, we were first convicted of our sins. If you're a believer this morning, You would have experienced in some way the conviction of sin, allowing you to see your need of Jesus Christ. You would have been then drawn by the grace of God to Jesus, seeing him as the only way for your lost and sinful condition. That was the case with me. I can attest to that. Back in the 80s, I went to college, uh, first in La Crosse, then in Stevens Point. I was a sinful man. I was a drunkard and I lived the life of a drunkard in many terrible ways. But in in the last uh, year or so of my college experience, I began to feel the conviction of sin. Now, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit convicting me of sin. All I knew is that my sin wasn't fun anymore and I was miserable. And then at the same time as I was exposed to the gospel as different people shared the gospel with me, I was being drawn unto Jesus, where finally he brought me to the point on March 11th, 1985, when one of my best friends was killed in a car accident, he brought me to the place where I repented of my sins and I received him by faith as my Savior and Lord. But now that I look back, I know that he was convicting me of my sin and and the father was drawing me unto his son. And so Zacchaeus really wanted to see Jesus, but he had a serious dilemma, right? He was really short. He was a little man. Crowds were gathering to see Jesus as he passed through Jericho. Perhaps many from the same crowd would be among those who would follow him to Jerusalem. But remember, these people, they despised Zacchaeus. They they hated him. He was a traitor. They viewed him as a traitor. No one in that town was going to step aside and let Zacchaeus move to the front in order to see Jesus. No one wanted to do that. We were sure of that. But he was not deterred. We read again in verse 4 of Luke chapter 19, So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. So Zacchaeus was stepping out in faith, or maybe we should say he was stepping up in faith. Maybe going out on a limb would be another way we could put it. Sometimes we think of faith as being nothing more than mental assent to the facts of the gospel. And of course, those facts are essential. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And certainly, that is where we must begin, believing the facts about Jesus' death and resurrection. These are vital, (coughs) essential truths that we must believe in order to be saved. But then, we must also act upon what we believe, right? That's genuine faith acting upon what we believe. We see a series of examples of that in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. So if you'd like to turn there, it'll be up on the screen, of course. Hebrews, chapter 11, and verses 7, 8 through 8 10, excuse me. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, co heirs of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So Abraham believed the promise of God and he acted upon it. He obeyed God's command to leave. To go to a place and where he didn't even know where he was going and so we find about abraham that he was justified by faith now if abraham had said well yeah i believe in god but i'm staying put i'm not going anywhere i'm comfortable here i don't it would have demonstrated at that point that he would not have been exercising true faith in zacchaeus's case he acted upon what he had come to believe about jesus by overcoming the obstacle of his short stature in order to see Jesus. He had come to the place where he didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care about the obstacles that were in front of him. He wanted to see Jesus. And in doing so, he demonstrated genuine faith. You know, he could have said, Well, I'm too short. No one's going to let me to the front. Oh, well, I'll just go home. Didn't work out. But he persevered. He, he, he moved forward, he acted upon what he believed. And so there Zacchaeus is, sitting on a large branch of a sycamore tree, waiting to see Jesus and to be seen by him. Well, in verse 5, Jesus comes to the place in the road where Zacchaeus was. We read again in our passage in Luke 19, it says, When Jesus came to the place, <clears throat> he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house this was the purpose of Jesus journey through Jericho he had a divine appointment with this despised tax collector on that day in Jericho much like the woman at the well in samaria back in the gospel of john chapter 4 And this appointment, if you will, had been made from eternity past, from before the creation of the world. As Paul puts it in Ephesians 1, 4. For He, God the Father, chose us in Him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him in love. Think of that. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, He had appointed that day, the day of your salvation, before the creation of the universe. And so as Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus, he calls him to himself. We just read it. And undoubtedly, Jesus had people all around him as he walked through Jericho clamoring for his attention, you know, Lord, can I talk to you, Lord, heal me, Lord, deliver my loved one from demon possession. People were probably tugging at him and clamoring for his attention from every direction. But he focuses all of his attention on this little man sitting up on the branch of a tree. And he calls him. And it was a call that was personal, it was authoritative, and it was urgent. It was a personal call, it was an authoritative call, And it was an urgent call. Jesus focuses on Zacchaeus alone. And when Jesus comes to an individual to save them from their sins, he's dealing with them as an individual. It's a personal invitation Jesus makes to us to repent and believe. We're not Christians because we grew up in a Christian home, because our parents are Christians or our siblings we're not Christians because we've attended Christian churches throughout our lives. We're Christians because we've had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, the great Savior of our souls. He draws us to himself. We come to him. Receive, we receive him by faith. And then it was an authoritative call as well. Jesus says, hurry and come down. You know, Jesus wasn't begging Zacchaeus, can I please come to your house today? Can I, would you please invite me over? No, this was an authoritative command by Jesus. And so the call was authoritative. And then it was urgent. Hurry, it's necessary, it's unavoidable that I stay at your house today. And so think of how Zacchaeus must have felt As Jesus focused his attention on him as if he were the only person in town. Think of how Zacchaeus must have felt. Jesus had called him. But how did Zacchaeus respond? Well, we read that in verses uh, 6 through 8 of our passage. It says, So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain He's gone to stay with a sinful man. Of course, that's the the attitude of the self-righteous, perhaps the Jewish religious leaders. Look at him. He's gone to stay with the worst guy in town. And, of course, they had no idea that Jesus had come to seek and save this man alone. And then it says in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Jesus commanded him to hurry, and hurry he did. He quickly came down. And first of all, what Zacchaeus demonstrates here was a real eagerness in his response. When when somebody hears the preaching of the gospel... There's nothing light or nothing trivial or nothing blasé in in responding to the call of the gospel. The Lord of heaven and earth calls us to himself to receive the gift of salvation and eternal life. There could be no more important thing in all of the world. And so there's nothing blasé or trivial about it. Zacchaeus responds with eagerness. And then we see him responding joyfully it says here that he joyfully received and welcomed Jesus we should we should experience joy in our salvation think about what we've received forgiveness eternal life we're a new creation in Christ he has given us new direction new hope eternal life These things should create great joy and rejoicing in our lives, not only when we first come to Christ, but throughout our Christian lives. Jesus says in the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15 that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. We should experience great joy in our salvation and great joy in the salvation of others. When we have our baptisms and, and we hear the testimonies and we see people whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ, we rejoice, we're joyful, we clap, we're happy. It's a joyful thing. If heaven is celebrating, shouldn't we? And and we'd love to celebrate that all the more. Zacchaeus was a lost sheep, and he had now been found. Joy in heaven and joy in the heart of this forgiven tax collector. And then in verse 8, we find Zacchaeus demonstrating that he was truly repentant. He demonstrates that in verse 8, where he says he, he stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor Lord. <clears throat> my goods, my riches, they don't mean anything to me anymore. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Zacchaeus was truly repentant, genuinely repentant. A a commentator named Besser said, When the Lord enters a house, unrighteousness moves out. When the Lord enters a house or when the Lord enters a heart, unrighteousness moves out. And this was true in Zacchaeus' house and in his heart. Unrighteousness was now moving out and Jesus Christ was now taking up full-time residence in his heart. Was that true of you when you professed faith in Jesus Christ? Did unrighteousness move out at the time you made your profession of faith? Or do you still practice the same sins that you were engaged in before you made the profession of faith? We all need to examine our hearts. I need to examine my heart. We all need to examine our hearts. Was my repentance genuine? We don't come to Jesus on our own terms. We come to him on his terms. And his terms are repentance and faith and faith alone in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so these are things that we need to evaluate in our lives. But Zacchaeus' repentance was truly genuine. Again, he voluntarily offers half of his goods, offers to pay back four times the, the amount he had extorted from people as a chief tax collector, much more than the Jewish law required. And Zacchaeus's repentance fits so well with Paul's description of genuine repentance. Uh, turn with me or look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verses 8 through 11. The context here is the Corinthian church had, had uh, allowed sin to continue in the church without confronting it and dealing with it. And so they had repented uh, upon Paul's first letter. So it says here, For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. And then look at the, listen to this description in verse 11 of repentance. And see if this doesn't sound a lot like Zacchaeus. He says, for consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves, that was Zacchaeus. What indignation over his sin, that was Zacchaeus. What fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice in every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. We don't have time to dig into this verse, but this is a great model of what true repentance really looks like. And so for Zacchaeus, his repentance truly led to salvation without regret jesus declares it in verse 9 he says today salvation has come to this house so we know that zacchaeus had truly been born again because jesus declares it here salvation has come to this house zacchaeus had come to know jesus christ as his savior and lord And more importantly, Jesus had come to know him in a saving way. In 2 Timothy 2.19, (coughs) Paul writes, The Lord knows those who are his. If you're in Christ this morning, the Lord knows you. He knows you in love. He knows you intimately. He knows all about us. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away. From wickedness which as we've seen Zacchaeus had done and so we see here that once again Jesus fulfills his ultimate purpose for coming into the world in this situation with Zacchaeus because it says in verse 10 for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost as we mentioned Jesus Christ, God the Son, Creator, Lord of heaven and earth, had come to Jericho. Think of that. The Lord of heaven and earth had come to Jericho to seek and to save a most unlikely convert, a lost sheep named Zacchaeus. And in a little more than a week's time, Jesus would go to the cross where he would pay the penalty in full for the sins of Zacchaeus And for all who will ever believe in him. And our risen Savior, he's still seeking lost sheep today. He's still seeking lost sheep, even here in this group. I don't know what all of your spiritual condition is. Maybe you've been thinking, you know, maybe I need to be saved. Maybe I'm one of those lost sheep that you were talking about. Will Jesus save me as he saved Zacchaeus? The answer to that is a resounding, absolute yes. Today could be your divine appointment with Jesus when you come face to face with the Savior of the world. Today could be your day of salvation. So I urge you to respond as Zacchaeus responded to the call of the gospel, to repent of your sin. And to receive Jesus Christ by faith eagerly and joyfully as your Savior and Lord, and then begin to follow Him as His obedient disciple. And we here at Crossview, we would love to help you with that. We would love to lead you to Jesus if you haven't come to know Him as Savior and Lord. We would love to help you learn how to be a follower of Jesus. It is our greatest privilege. Our absolute greatest privilege to see lost sheep found and be saved. And we would love to see that happen today. Would you please join me in prayer?